Oh, come on, come on, come on. Just say your name. Walk over to your seat, Karibuni Sana. So good to see people from different congregations, different people from different demographics, young and old. Uh, Karibuni Sana, we are so glad that you're all here today. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Kevin Kilonzi, a.k.a. Kev the Rev. Oh! <laughs> yes, uh, my wife and I have the awesome privilege of being the lead pastors of Mavuno Church downtown campus. Come on, I see you, I see you, I see you. And also, uh, we, we have the privilege of being uh, the leaders of the Young and Fearless uh, Network. Uh, of churches, which includes <laughs> Mabuna Young and Fearless and Campus Trend. Uh, any any Campus Trenders in their house? Any Mabuna Young and Fearless? Yes, we see you, Karibuni Sana. We are so glad. I know Riga did it down, but let me just welcome anyone from the Hill City Network, Hill City Campus, Swahili Campus, Kitengela, Nakuru, Kigali, Burundi, Congo, Zambia. Can you just give them a shout of praise? Thank you guys for hosting us. We are so glad to be able to be gathered here with you today. Let's welcome Network, which is Mavuno South, Mavuno Connect, Mavuno Rongai, Berlin, others. Wow. Guys, these are not just names. These are actually churches. These are people who meet in these places. These are lives being transformed. These are marriages that are working uh, because of these campuses. Lovington Network, Mavuno Lovington, Mavuno Karen, Mavuno Mombasa. Let's celebrate them. <laughs> All right. I love this network. Let's welcome Mavu Mashariki Network. <laughs> Talking about Mavuno Mashariki. Mavuno Donholm. Mavuno uh, Far East. Mavuno Brooklyn. Oh, come on. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you to... Oh, come on. These guys are the bomb. Love it. Let's see. Come downtown network. Mavuno downtown. Wayakiwe. Swahili Wayaki. Malawi. Uganda. 360. Entebbe. <sighs> Somebody just bring me a face towel to mop my face as I get started. There's a Southern Baptist anointing in the house. This network, I don't know whether we are ready for it. <laughs> Welcome the Lifeway Network. Mavuno Lifeway. Mavuno Kiambu. Mavuno Kasarani. Hey, 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 hey. Whoever planted that church is amazing. Whoever they are. Whoever planted that church, God bless you. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, just um, just a time to welcome all of us. Oh, yeah. And of course, there could be people who are here and maybe don't attend a Mavuno church, but you heard that the family is gathering and you said, hey, let me, let me see what these guys are doing. It. Anyone who's from another church, can we just welcome them today? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can see some hands there. You're part of the bigger family of God and we're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, well, uh, as, we, as we start off today, really the idea is to be gather to continue hearing what God is saying before we are sent out. Uh, every time God wants to do something in a generation, many times he, he wants to do something, he wants to move, but there are seasons when, when he wants to do that, he raises a man. Ooh. 
He raises a man. He raises a man. And, and God gives that man a, a vision. But the vision is not necessarily for him. The vision is for him to be able to invite many others to be able to walk that journey. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes, my Odin and my Yanks, we have been privileged to have a man, a man, oh, let's go southern, a man who's married to one woman who's his wife. They have children, two daughters, one boy. He goes by many names, but one mission. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Give it up for Pastor Moraithi Wancha! Hey, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, keep it up! Wow. Welcome, Thank Pastor Moraithi Wancha! Take wow. it away! Wow. Thank you so much. Please be seated. To God be the glory. Wow! Amen. You can tell. <laughs> wow. It's so good to be here. Come on, somebody give the Lord a big shout. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. Wow. I can tell Pastor Kilons is having way too much fun. Way too much fun. But it's such a joy to be here this morning. How are you doing? It is so good to see every single one of you. And you know, this is a historic day. This is a historic day. I think I'm one of those people who has a sense for drama, have a sense for the occasion, have a sense for understanding what's happening sometimes. And I can usually tell when something is happening that has not happened before, when there's a trajectory about to happen. There have been very few moments in the history of this church when I felt the way I feel today. I was actually nervous coming up on stage today. Um, and that doesn't happen often at Mabuno, but I was really nervous. Amen. <laughs> But a big part of it is because I just sense God's doing something. I just have a, a feeling in my bones that God is about to do something that none of us, none of us has any clue about. It's so big, it's bigger than our imagination. And so I'm glad you're here. Tell your neighbor, I'm so glad you're here. I mean, there are many who should have been here, could have been here, might have been here, thought could, but they're not here. But God chose you to be one of the people that's in the house today. And so I just want to bless God for all of you who are watching online, for all the different watch parties happening across the world. We love you. We are so glad to be part of this family together. And I can't wait. I'm so glad. I mean, can you imagine they've gathered in different spaces and they're just watching this as we go along. And so this is not just the only gathering. There are gatherings across the world. And we bless God for every single one of you. Pastor Mishu, I see you. Uh, I see you. Uh, Pastor Daniel, I thank God for every single one of you. And let me just say, uh, this last week, we spent an amazing, amazing weekend uh, with Mavuno Kampala, Mavuno 360, and Mavuno, Mavuno Entebbe. And my goodness, I mean, we, Pastor Kilonzi invited me. I was actually a, a, a guest uh, because it was a network, the downtown network that leads the Kampala churches. And so I went with them to just visit and see what God is doing down there. And so we got a team from there, and we went to visit another ministry that is in the middle of a, tra a transition like we are, but there step are steps ahead of us. In fact, let me just say, they are very far ahead of us in that transition. They're just leaning forward. Because I feel like God is doing something in Africa. God is doing something in this generation. And there's a revival beginning. And there's some people who are just catching the wind of the Spirit. So we went to see this church. And let me tell you guys, I have never in my life been shocked like that. And you know, for Pastor M to say that, that's a lot. Because I've been to places. 
I remember I told my team when I came back, I was planning to take you guys to Nigeria next year and to Ghana just to see some of the big churches and what God is doing. I said, none of us, we're just going to Uganda because what God is doing is stunning. So uh, Pastor Kilonzi was supposed to send me some photos, but he didn't. But it's okay. Let me just explain what happened. I mean, the, the, the church we went to, it's called Grace City Church. And uh, we had the privilege of just visiting this church. Uh, we were with a team of pastors from the downtown network, but also some uh, leaders in the next generation, some of our youth pastors from the movement. And the church we went to, at the beginning of this year, there were 70 people. And their building was, can only sit 250. So they were doing well. I mean, 70 and you've got a whole building for 250. Uh, they had a future. As of the weekend, we were there. There were 13,713. That weekend. And then they told us, we're trusting God that by this Sunday, because we're there on Saturday, by Sunday we'll be 15,000 because of the evangelism they were doing. So when we reached here in Kenya, they sent us a text and said, actually, we were not 16,000. Us, we're not 15,000. We're 16,300 and something. Like, guys, have you ever heard about revival? Maybe you've ever thought this is something that you just read about that happened in the past. So let me tell you what was the most shocking thing about this church. Because, I mean, I know you already have a picture in your mind, but it's not what you think. So we walked in, and the Pasi was there. And the first thing that struck me is I thought, did we come to the children's service? <laughs> like, honestly... It was young people. Like most of the people in this room uh, would be old in that church. Pastor Nick, you'd be a grandfather in that church. And I mean, the kids were... So he's sitting, the pastor is there, and he's got a table on his side of the leaders in the church. And I'm looking at these guys, I'm thinking, they look like youth ministry leaders. They were about 15 years, 16, 17. The oldest was 20. So he, he taught us about what they do. And then he told us, he started introducing his leaders to us. And he got the first guy, uh, the first girl. A lot of them are young women. Huh? And he says, what's your name? She gives her name. How old are you? And she says, uh, 16. How many people do you lead in your discipleship network? And the girl would say, uh, 1,530. A 15-year-old. And then he says, okay, come. What's your name? The person says, how old are you? 17. How many people do you lead in your network? 2,300. Like, you know, at first you're like, that doesn't make sense. How, how can a 17-year-old be leading a church bigger than practically most Mavuno churches? Like, how? But these kids were actually, and then the kids called their leaders. So the kids called their leaders. So these 16-year-olds called their leader. The leader is 13. And this leader is leading 500. I mean, it, it was like insane. You know the picture I had? The picture I had when I was there, by the way, I started crying. Because the picture I thought is, in my mind, I have a different picture of heaven than what heaven really is. Because in heaven, I'm thinking that the spaces are reserved for people with theological degrees and who lead churches like Mavuno. They'll arrive in heaven and they'll be like, hey, clear, clear the way Pastor M has arrived. But you know what I got? The picture I got was me arriving to heaven and being told, just hold on, hold on, hold on. And a 16-year-old comes in and the angels are just worshipping. Like we went out with one of the kids. They assigned us to the little kids. And, and, and this guy, I mean, in fact, by the way, the testimonies we're getting is these are not children. These are, by the way, did you notice that some people came with their kids to, to here today? It's because those people were actually on the trip. And they've stopped seeing their children as children anymore. 
Um, so I'll give you a story that happened. One, one girl is 16, and this, these kids have been taught to do evangelism wherever they go. So this girl walks in the street in a, in a village far from the church, and she finds a five-year-old uh, going shopping. And she leads the five-year-old to Christ, a boy. And the boy prays in the street and comes to Jesus. And then she says, how can I pray for you? And the boy says, my father is mad. He has a demon. He's locked up in the house. And the girl says, let's go. First of all, Mavuna, it's just posed there. Fearless influencers in the house. Let's go. So they go with the little five-year-old, and they enter the house, and you can hear the man screaming. He's in his bedroom for his own safety and the safety of his children. They've taken him to the, 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 the asylum, the place for mental health in the, in the biggest hospital in Uganda. They failed to treat him. He's been taken to every place. People have done everything they can. Now he's locked in his room with chains. So he doesn't hurt his family. The girl enters the room and the guy begins to scream. And the girl says, call your family. So all the family is gathered and they sit in the sitting room. And the girl says, let's pray. Jesus is able to heal this man. And she leads the family in prayer. And the man is screaming the whole time. And then she goes and says, I'll come back next week to see the progress. She comes back the next week, and the family is sitting around the table waiting for her with the man. Wow. So, so, so this guy, he's, 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 he's not back completely. He's woozy, but he's no longer dangerous. The chains are off his hands. So the girl says, praise God. Now let's pray for his mind to come back. 16 years old, eh? She prays, and she says, I'll come back next week to see. The next week she comes back, the man is fully back to his mind fully back to his mind and the Sunday before we were in church the man had come with his parents now by the way he's a man with a family but he came with his parents and his old mother they had traveled all the way from the village and he had come to just show his hands his hands were bruised he still had the marks from the chains and they say there's a power here and we believe we need it for our family like the family didn't have to be invited to church they just showed up because of a 16 year old I mean, it was so, f the, the boy we went with was 15, the one who took charge of us. And he, he grabbed me and Pastor uh, Ari, who is uh, the uh, Apostle Moses Mkisa's wife from Kampala, uh, Worship Harvest, and Pastor Kilonzi. He was leading, he, he had a power team. Pastor Godi was part of our team. Um, and we went with him. We were supposed to, we, we said, he, we were going to meet and visit his churches, his, his, his groups. Because not all of them can come to the church. The church only takes 250 people. So they go to where the people are. And so we walked for about 50 minutes. Uh, they told us 15. But the guy, we, I think we are hemming there. <laughs> I think in a pastors who are having the exercise of their life. You know, it's, it's like the gym for the year. And at one point, the boy looked at us. And our, Pastor Ari and I were trying. We we're like the lead pastors. We we're like, we we're keeping up. Kina Pastor Kilonzi were like hemming at the back, yeah? And the boy, the boy just say, turned to us and said, uh, by the way, the reason, I'm sorry I'm pushing you to walk fast, but when you become a believer, you become a soldier. <laughs> 15 years old. So we got there, and he told us, uh, you'll meet my church. But as he, as on the way, he, part, he pointed at a house, and he said, that house, there's a man who was paralyzed. And when I was doing my rounds, I was told about him, so I knocked. I found him in bed. So we prayed, and I prayed for him. And the next week when I came, he was sitting on the bed. He had not sat for years. And then he said, I told him, praise God. Let's pray that he can actually walk. 
and he said last week Raman was walking with a stick and so he said I'm, I'm hoping we can pass by his house uh, he's an old man for you guys to pray for him uh, so we went to his church now his church was the funnest part we found them gathered on the on the step of a house uh, just gathered there and the church the oldest was 15 years old the youngest was five years old or about 10 10 children and he came and he preached the word to them so first of all he said okay uh, let's begin with a word of prayer somebody lead prayer one of them volunteered led the prayer then he said I want someone to read the scripture so he called one of them and the person took his Bible he has a Bible gave that the child the child read the, the Bible then he said I want to teach you from this word last guys are expecting father Abraham had many sons and crafts it was nothing like that the boy taught from a, a passage that even I've never taught on he taught about the fact that I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves so be as innocent as a dove and as wise as a serpent and he broke down the word you guys it was amazing he he followed word for word the someone he had on church on Sunday and he delivered it to these children and it was a powerful message he was talking about humility he was actually talking about the fact that when God sends you as a sheep among wolves if you go making noise you'll be eaten by the wolves so it's like when when you go witnessing in the village because their village has a lot of Muslims and Catholics and people who would not appreciate them their ministry so he says be 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 innocent be smart don't go boasting I just thought that's a message he could preach in Mavuno church it's a powerful message and then he actually said would anybody like to give their lives to Christ and one little boy put up his hand and he led him to Christ and then after that he said okay um, let's take the offering <laughs> And a little child went and got a, 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 a bucket and they came around and collected. In fact, I remember these were his leaders, by the way. These were not just congregation. These were leaders. Each of them has their own leaders. But this was like the, the meeting for them to teach them so they can go teach their leaders. And then I remember one boy came and he, he asked, where's your offering? He said, I lost it. You know, they're children. <laughs> so the, boy said, the, the pastor said, man of God, how do you lose your offering? <laughs> <laughs> You guys, we were in shock. He, he rebuked him, told him, you can't lose your offering. Be careful. So he collected the offering. It was given to him. And then he said, uh, we're going to pray. But before that, we saw the old man, the one who had been healed. He came with his stick. And as the pastor was preaching, this is a 15-year-old I'm talking about. He came and sat with those children and he listened. He listened and listened. And when the pastor finished, the boy finished, he said, it's time for us to close led a prayer and then he said anybody who needs to see the pastor now uh, the pastor is available now some of the group were thinking he's talking about pastor M he moved to the side and slowly one by one the two children were coming and receiving prayer he blesses them and they go back and sit you guy this old man came to him as one of those people asking for prayer and the man was sharing how his sons want to kill him because they want his land I mean he was not giving the kind of prayer you give a small any pastor he talked to this young man and told him my sons want to kill me they want to disinherit me I need your prayers I mean the guy healed you so what can't he do so the, the guy said in fact he said ah, pastor come and pray I'm looking at <laughs> so I came pray for him so I was like okay <laughs> we saw a spiritual authority in this 15 year old that we're not seen anywhere yeah. and guys what I want to say why am, why am I telling you this story I'm trying to tell you this story to say that God is doing something in this season 
And the people he uses may not be the people you think he will use. And I kept saying, so many people in Mavuno have disqualified themselves from spiritual leadership. So many people tell me, I don't want, to, I don't want the title pastor. I don't want to be called. Why? I don't want to be given authority, responsibility. And then we call ourselves fearless influencers. I thought, God, we are calling ourselves. There are other people who are actually the fearless influencers. There are people that God is using. I mean, at the end, we took us back to his, we passed through his mom's house. And he's got a single mom who brought him up. And she's not a believer, but he said, you have to come and see my mom. And we're now all of us, Mavuno pastors, worship harvest pastors. And he comes into the household and says, mom, I want you to meet my friends. I'm like, which 15-year-old rocks in with Pastor M and says, meet my friends. And then he says, I want, I want them to pray for you, mom. And he told us, mom is a single mom. She raised us. And he said, I'm proud of you, mom. I'm proud of her. Like she's an amazing mom. Like he's telling us, eh? she's there blushing. Eh? And then he says, I want them to pray for you. And then he tells us, by the way, she's not a believer, but she's in progress. Amen. <laughs> I'm like, this mother has no choice. She's just being grabbed by this young. So he says, okay, what do I pray? And the, the, the woman is a bit shy. The, the, the boy says, um, let me tell you what you'll pray for her. This house, she needs to finish it. She's looking after us. She has no money. She's been a, our father died when we were young. Pray for this house to be finished. She has a business. She's trying to run doing firewood. Pray that it will go well. But I'm actually trusting God that I'm starting a business for her that will be much bigger than this. So pray for that. Like you guys, we left that place with a headache. You know how you live with all your... It's like nothing you thought. It's like, it's like the matrix. I've been in the matrix all these years. I've been teaching children in MK about Father Abraham. And there are people whose children are doing greater things than myself. Like, I was in shock. And I think all of us came very quiet. Huh? We're like, what have we just seen? Then we reached the hall and all the children had come back. Everybody had come back because we had all gone with many. We are many of us. And we are distributed all over the place. And everybody came back with exactly the same testimony. The sermon was exactly the same. The service was exactly the same. These kids were running their churches. And that's why the next week, instead of 15,000, which is what they thought there would be, there were 16,000. Because these people had understood. God is just working. God is not a respecter of persons, people. He's not a respecter of persons. And when we don't become available, guess what? God finds somebody who is. And you know, there's a time when Jesus said, these stones will cry out. These stones will cry. God can even use stones if I'm not available. And so today as I start, I just want to just say, my goodness, I'm so excited. Because I believe that in this house, there are people whose hearts are ready for God to use them. There are people, there's a generation that God is raising that are ready to be used. And I believe that God is doing some things at Mavuno Church that are going to just boggle our minds. So in fact, I want you to take a good, long, hard look at your neighbor right now for me. Just look at them. Look at that from the shoe. You know how you look at somebody up, down? From the shoe all the way to their hair? Because this is the lowest they'll ever be, by the way. Huh? This is the lowest they'll ever be. In fact, let me put it this way. You may not recognize them this time next year. You may not recognize them this time next year. Some of them will be walking into rooms and people will be screaming. The, de the devil will be screaming. Oh, so let me tell you my favorite story. One, when that child went back, um, when that child, no, it, I think it was a different, de de there were enough deliverance stories. But this child walks into a room with a possessed person and the person starts screaming, my judge is here, my judge is here. And the child says, get out in the name of Jesus. And the devil flees from this 12-year-old child. Are you, are you guys getting understanding what I'm saying? That some of us are plagued by things that should not be plaguing us. And that God is in the house to give us the authority for this season that we will do the, the greater things 
that God wants us to do. So I hope you can even tell from that story that today is going to be a bit different. Huh? It's not the, the, the normal leader's day that you're used to having. Because I believe that God wants us to do extraordinary things. Because God wants to achieve extraordinary things through us. So somebody give a shout of praise to God right now. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. If you've been part of Mavuno for any long time, then you probably sense something is changing in Mavuno. I don't know if you sense it. How many people, by the way, have been in Mavuno for 15 years? Those 15, 16 years? Let me just see. Show of hands. Just put it, put it up loud and proud. Put it up. I want to see it. Let me just see. Wow. Come on, let's just appreciate those guys. Can I ask, guys? We're like the furniture, isn't it? We're, we're, we're the ones who've just been there, you know? Um, how many people have been in Mavuno 10 to 15? 10 to 15 years. Let me just see. Show of hands. Yeah? All right. Come on, let's just appreciate those guys. That next cohort. Uh, and then let's go to the younger people now. 5 to 10. 5 to 10 years. Let me just see. Show of hands. Oh, come on. That's so exciting. Come on, just appreciate them. We bless God for you. How many people? One to five. One to five years. Wow. And there's quite a few of you. How many people? Zero to one. This is your first year in Mavuno Church. Oh, come on. <laughs> wow. Those are the index ones, eh? Like, like they entered the first year and they're already in the leaders, in the leaders class. We bless God for you. This is our 16th year as a church. And if you've been part of our history, you, you probably are sensing that something is shifting. Something is shifting. 16 years ago, we started this church. Uh, some of you in the room were part of that team that God used to start this church. And we had a, a vision that we could change the world. We sensed that God was going to do something historic through us. Um, we, we, we just felt we didn't want to be like our generation. We didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. We felt that God wanted, us, God wanted to do something unique, and God wanted to reach people who did not like church and to draw them into his presence. And that if we did what everybody else was doing, we would not be able to reach those people. And so we began to talk, to talk their language. We began to reach them in the music they understood. We began to do things that were risky uh, because everybody didn't understand them. The city didn't understand them. But we were committed to do it. We did our, question, our sermons differently. We did our music differently. Everything was different because we wanted our people to feel church we wanted them to know that, church, that God spoke their language. That God wasn't this alien thing out there. That God was their father. He loved them. He had a plan and a purpose for them. And that's when we started. Of course, people in Nairobi were not used to this. And we were called a cult. We were called a confused church. We are called a liberal church. I mean, I can tell you the names I received were many. You know, funny enough, when you're the leader, you're the one who receives a lot of the, the flack. And so some of this stuff I wouldn't even share with my team. But we got all kinds of names thrown at us. People said we are desperate for an audience. We are desperate to reach people. We are, we are, doing, we are using marketing methods of the world to reach people because we are a desperate church. People called us a shallow church, a church that didn't really teach God's word, that was just teaching people entertainment. We got all kinds of names thrown at us. And many times people would ask me, Pastor M, I mean, and by the way, let me just tell you, it was, some of those names were by leaders in the church in the city. Uh, people who were fathers. And some of them hurt because of the people who saved them. And many times people would ask me, Pastor M, why is it that somehow you keep going? Why is it that you haven't given up? I mean, people actually preached sermons. <laughs> there were people, I, I, I would get the reports. People would actually preach and tell their people, don't go to that church called Malvuno. By the way, it was the best advertising that we ever got. Huh? <laughs> like, 
like, like we just had seen people, young people from churches coming. Because they're like, you know how young people are. Never do it. They're like, hey, why? Let me go and see why they're doing it. <laughs> and then they would come and get stuck. But you know, when people ask me, why did you not give up? Why was it so easy for you, Pastor M, to just keep going, regardless of what people say? And, and you know, I want to give you the real answer for that question. The real answer is because <laughs> I was following other people who had done it. When I was um, a young pastor, I got exposed to the writings of people like Bill Hybels, Pastor Bill Hybels, who started a huge church called Willow Creek uh, uh, Community Church in Chicago. I read the writings of somebody called Robert Schuller, who started a church called Crystal Cathedral. Uh, I read the writings of a man called uh, Rick Warren, who started a church called Saddleback Church. Many of these guys, they started churches that were very similar to what Mavuno was. Or rather, Mavuno was similar to what they were. Churches that were not trying to reach the establishment, churches that were not trying to reach people in mainline churches, churches that were reaching people who were far away from church. And these churches made innovations in their music, they made innovations in their preaching style. They made in innovations in how their service ran. And God blessed them. They were criticized. They were called cults. They were called all manner of things. But they stood the journey. They, they, they went on. And as a result, God had blessed them. They had grown big. They were impacting their culture. And so you know why I wasn't afraid or why I kept going? Because I could see someone else who was doing it. And I was seeing the person doing it and succeeding. And God's hand was on their ministry. When we lived in the States with Carol, we visited all those churches. And I even got to meet some of those guys. And it was amazing for me just to see the heart behind it. I studied, I actually went and studied what, what theologically, what are they saying? Why are they doing what they're doing? So when people came and said, you can't take a secular song and make it add Christian music, that's lacking imagination. I'd be like, that's been done ever since the church began. Like that's church history. Just study, you just don't understand. Your ignorance is the one that's making you say that. So because I knew what I was doing, I wasn't afraid. And why did I, why was I not afraid? Other people had done it before me. Listen, you're not an original. You're always following somebody. Mavuno was not original. Mavuno was following somebody. And that's why we stood. And, and Pastor Oscar, who had gone before me, he had done some great things. And I was also following many things I'd seen from him. And when you follow great people, you become great. Yeah? So, so, so that's part of the reason why I didn't give up, even though there was nobody in our city who was doing what I was doing. And even though it was very hard for me to get encouragement from other pastors, because nobody understood what we were doing. And you know, we began to have impact, just like those churches. We began to attract people who felt far from church. I remember standing outside church would always be the most fun thing for me. I remember I even, my pastors still do the same thing. I see them doing the same thing. In fact, now I want to tell them, stop being ushers. I became an usher for a reason. You know, now it became the culture of Mavuno Church that the senior pastor is an usher. Uh, but the reason I always stood out there, you know why? It's because every Sunday, there'd be somebody by my side telling me who the people coming into the church were. That one owns the biggest bar in Westlands. What? <laughs> that one is a socialite. In fact, she's on, she's on social media and she puts very new, new pictures. Hello, pastor. <laughs> like, like I, I, the sinners of the city were coming in. And I was seeing them being changed. And their lives were changing. And you know, we, had a, we, had, we always laughed. We had the 12 o'clock service and the 10 o'clock service. We call the 12 o'clock service the hangover service. Because that's when now guys who went to the pub, they heard about Mavuno, they went home and slept, hungover, was a bit better, then they'd come for the 12 o'clock. Now you'd see them doing Mizizi, and then they start coming for 10 o'clock, the saved service. Why? Because they didn't party last night, then they woke up early on Sunday, they had nothing to do. So they came. It was so fun just watching the transformation. We started to cause a star in the city. 
and people were talking about Mavuno. We were everywhere. And God was really blessing us. You know, who you follow is important. You actually become like the people you follow. But you know, it was interesting that while the church was growing so fast, and at the height, I would say at the height of our popularity and success, in my heart, I just began God, I, to hear uh, the still soft voice of God saying, there's more. There's more. And I didn't know what that more was. I, I didn't understand what it was. And so I really struggled. I remember even standing at Bellevue, uh, shaking the hands of people as they left church, and people saying, my, you must be so proud, Pastor. You've got such a great church. And just feeling that the Holy Spirit is saying, no, there's more. There's more. And I remember it, it, it just really put me on a spin because I didn't know what God was saying. I just felt there's more. And part of my moving us from Bellevue, to be honest, was because I felt God was saying, there's more. This isn't it. There's more. So we came to Hill City and, of course, went through a lot of uh, challenges as we moved in just to settle this place. We went through some serious spiritual warfare. By the way, there was serious spiritual warfare to take this place. Uh, this, this place is a contested space. And I can say that by God's, it's by God's grace that this church is here. Uh, the devil does not want churches in this county to stand. I, I don't know why. I just feel like there are places in the world that are contested. Machakos is one of them. And any church that succeeds here only succeeds on the basis of serious spiritual warfare. Um, Pastor James knows that personally. Um, and, and, and we didn't know. So when we came here, we got hammered, hammered, hammered until God opened our eyes. And we began to pray differently. When people would come to church, they would leave here with headaches. People would come to church, they would leave, and, and they'd get home and say, that church is so far, that's why I got a headache. That was the devil speaking to them. They didn't even know. We didn't even know. When we began to pray, and when we began to to, 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 to actually plant the altar of God in this place and to take this place and take it spiritually, church changed. I remember one time somebody said, they came to Hill City, I remember reading a comment on Facebook, a first-time visitor, and they said, what a restful, peaceful, beautiful church. And I laughed. I said, what? That's, that's the first time I've ever had somebody say that about Hills. By the way, being the pastor here was hard. But you know what? Step by step, the ground was broken. The intercessors prayed. The staff prayed. We took the place. We took charge of it. We began to plant churches. Uh, we stopped. I mean, I think after that initial st stop, we began to plant churches. And now there's 30 churches that are called Mavuno across the world. And we bless God for every single one of them. And God began to just speak in my heart and say, this is a little more like it. Keep leaning in. God put up a few words in my spirit. And I, I don't even know if I knew what those words meant. One, the first word God put in my heart is discipleship. And I remember thinking, but we're the discipleship church. We do discipleship. We're the one, we have Mizizi. Mizizi is being used by churches across the world. Of course, I was even speaking in conferences as the discipleship pastor. So I'm like, why are you telling me discipleship, Lord? And I remember my staff team. If you guys think back to all the books we've read at staff retreat, it was like there's a season where it's just wiki church. We're just talking about discipleship, Mike Breen. And it's like I was just trying to get you uh, building a discipleship culture. It's like I was just, Lord, okay, fine. Let's just expose ourselves. What are you saying? And then God began, in, in the process, I be, we began to restructure ourselves. And God began to say, you have the tools for discipleship, but you don't have the heart of discipleship. That was a wake-up call for us. And what he was saying is, I've given you Mizizi. I've given you Ndoa. I've given you all these tools, but tools will never disciple people. People disciple people. And none of you has the heart of doing that. 
I, and for me as a pastor, I was so rebuked because I was that person, you know. If you come to and tell me, Pastor, my marriage is breaking, I don't know what to do. I'll just tell you, have you done door? <laughs> Go and do it. And I know it will sort you. And you come and say, I'm confused, I don't know my purpose, I'm not even feeling God. I'll tell you, have you? Done have you done Mizizi? And then I send you there. But then I would throw you out there, and once you do Mizizi, you're on your own. I didn't understand that that's not what discipleship is. Wow. It's not what it is. So beginning of this year, God, um, no, three years ago, let me, let me uh, move to three years ago, God put a strong word. I, began, I feel like God just began to now hone this down. And God told me, you must love your team. You must love your team. Come on, somebody. And at the point, it was confusing because I loved my team. I love my team. I mean, I, I like, I like every, I, you don't work for Mavuno if I don't like you. <laughs> it's, it's just, the, is that, does that sound arrogant? Even you guys own companies. Do you hire people you don't like? Even your maid. Do you hire a maid you don't like? There are those people who just walk into your, your door and you can feel, in, in, in Swahili we say, Damuzetu. Our bloods are not touching each other, you know? And just for that reason, you don't hire them. So I, I was like, Lord, I genuinely like the people I work with. But God began to put in my heart, yes, you like them, but I don't want you to like them. I want you to love them. I want you to be willing to die for them. I want them to become your family. And so I remember going to my, my executive team at one of our retreats three years ago and telling them, guys, I really sense that the Holy Spirit is saying to me, we must love each other. And if we don't love each other, we can't work together. It's not going to work. And I was so excited sharing that. Then I got confused because they were not excited. They looked at me like, seriously? In fact, the thought they had was, but it's working. We are okay. We're a good company. We're a good corporate. I mean, Mavuno is growing. People are coming to Christ. Why are you confusing us now? Why are you changing the things that are working? And I remember just telling guys, guys, I'm not willing to be your pastor. I'm not willing to lead you unless you love me, unless you are my family, and unless we're willing to become friends and not just co-workers. Boy, I think that conversation was an argument that lasted till four o'clock yeah. that afternoon. And people, what I'd realized, the Holy Spirit hadn't shown me this, but he showed me in that conversation, is that we had become such a, uh, we'd become so good at doing what we were, but we had wounds yeah. over years that we had hurt each other. Somebody said this, somebody did that, and we had learned to be very cautious about each other. I'm good with you so long as we are doing the job. But after that, I have my own life outside. And what I was asking was very threatening because I was telling them, I want these to become your friends. I want this to become your family. I remember that, I mean, there were, actually, it was a hard meeting. But eventually, guys were like, okay, we'll try. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> and for the last three years, we've been trying. Beginning of this year, God told me, Moravi, this is it. It's now or never. I just felt a Holy Spirit, it's now or never. It's now or never. So I remember calling my, my exec team and saying, we're going to start meeting every Wednesday for the whole day. Uh, last year, we didn't meet much. But I said, every Wednesday, we're going to meet the whole day. And we'd meet in the morning, and we would talk. And I told them, we're, we're, not, we're not talking strategy. We're talking about your hearts. Yeah. We're talking about your life. We're talking about the things that cause you pain. Yeah. We're talking about, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And we had long conversations. I remember one time we, we decided to do a little exercise. I said, one person will sit in the middle and you will, you will tell us what issues you have with us. And then when you're done, we will all tell you what issues we have with you. It was called the hot seat. And I remember I said, we'll, 
that's the agenda today. We'll all take one, one after the other. We'll each take about uh, 40 minutes, and then we'll move to the next person. By lunchtime, we're on number one. <laughs> the same person. By 7 o'clock in the evening, number two had just finished. But here's the crazy thing. It was such a, a, a painful, a hard conversation. Because people, be, I think the Holy Spirit just allowed us to become real with each other. And people started saying, when you did this, you hurt me. When you did this, I have walls. I can't trust you. And then we tell the person, but you also do the same thing. I mean, there were tears. It was hard. It was exhausting. And then I told them, next week, Wednesday, we go back to the next person. <laughs> and we did it. I think we did it for almost like four, a whole month. But you know what happened? As we just shared what was in our hearts, something began to break. Something began to change. The atmosphere in the room just began to become different. Uh, our relationships just began to gel a different way. The last, the last person shared, and I just felt like something snapped in the room. Yeah. It's like spiritually. Yeah. I remember that, 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 that day, the wrestling day, um, when, when our pastors just a spontaneous burst of joy came into the room. It was a Holy Spirit burst of joy. And two of our pastors, I won't even mention them, they just, you know how people get slain by the Spirit and they start laughing uncontrollably? These ones didn't start laughing. They started wrestling. <laughs> like, I've never read that one theologically, but they were wrestling on the floor, laughing as they did it. And the whole team was just laughing. It was just a family moment. Those family moments that are just timeless. And in the middle of that moment, I don't think I've ever told you guys, in the middle of that moment, God said, this is it. You're ready. And at that point, I knew exactly what God was saying. Um, I'd been tracking for a year with Apostle Moses Mukisa, of worship harvest and I, I was meeting him by the way last year we met every week every thursday we'd meet and just pray for each other and he began to tell me about the miracle stories their church was going through very similar by the way to the church that we've just come from uh, the, the stories i was telling you just now god took them from a church of i think there were four thousand uh at the at the beginning of last year and slowly through covid as other churches were dying their church was growing and thousands were being added to the number every every other week and I remember just somehow, as he told me his stories, me, I tell him my stories. In fact, I didn't even feel like his stories were for me. I was like, wow, praise God. Let me, let me tell you now my, 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 my stories. We'll just exchange stories. It's almost like, I always say, it's almost like when somebody tells you about something exciting happening to them in their pilot career. I just got, I just got promoted to fly a DC-10 uh, with a twin, twin engine. You are happy for them, but you don't envy them. Why would I want to be promoted to fly at DC-10 with that? I don't even know what that is. So we just say, wow, so good. Now let me tell you what I'm celebrating. But it was interesting because when God said, this is it, it's like God just told me, right, the Holy Spirit said, everything you've been hearing from Apostle Moses, it's for you. It wasn't for them. It was actually for you. That's why he was telling you those stories. And so God wants you now to go back and understand what is going on there because the miracle that's happening at Worship Harvest I wanted to happen here at Mavuno Church. So I went to Apmo and I sat with him and we talked. I got him here and he came for Fearless. How many got a chance to hear him at Fearless? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, he, he gave, if you haven't had it, it's on the, on the YouTube page. Please, please listen to those talks. They were incredible. Uh, he gave a series of about four talks uh, just talking about Disciple Shift. There's a playlist called Disciple Shift on our YouTube page. And he shared about that. And it's interesting as he shared, God answered every question I'd had about discipleship. It was so strange how it happened because 
all the things God has been saying, all those things that have happened over the years, that one week were answered for me. And that's the biggest change that has happened to Mavuno Church. So let me tell you what happened. We began to understand the context of discipleship. I think we knew, in a sense, what discipleship was. But I began to understand the context. And the passage that he spoke about was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And if you're going to put it up on the board, uh, on, the, on, the, on the screen, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it's an interesting scripture because it's one I knew. And especially 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, was one that every person who does discipleship knows. But it says, uh, it says you've heard me teach things, uh, 2 Timothy, okay, that's verse 2. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Fantastic. Please do it in NIV uh, as, as, as we uh, continue with this. Now, I knew that discipleship was me passing on what I have from Jesus to you, and then you pass it on to the next person. That part I knew. And that's what Mizizi was about. It was like, I'm a facilitator, I help you grow, then you help the next person grow. But I was missing something. That's not all there is to it. Discipleship is much bigger. And what Apostle Moore taught us through that passage is that there are two parts to it that were missing, the context of discipleship. Now, some of you have heard me teach this before. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who have heard me, I'm going to ask you to become my co-teachers just to see how well you pick this up. Uh, you're going to help me preach today, amen? So uh, let's go back to, uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, we're going to start from verse 1. And it says, um, verse 1, has it shifted? It says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is Paul talking to somebody he works with in ministry. And then verse 2, um, I hope you guys aren't having technical issues. It's there. Okay, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And then verse 3, which is the last one. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I began to understand. That you may have a great engine. Any, I don't know if there are any bikers in the house. I know I see some in Hill City once in a while. Any bikers or any aspiring bikers? Anybody who desires one day to own a powerful motorbike? All right. Okay. I would like to put my hand up, but my wife has told me I'm a father of three children. So today I want to see me on a bike. But if you've seen those bikes, you know those bikes, you even hear them when you're in, they, they pass you, they're even louder than a car. Eh? They are powerful. They are amazing. But here's the thing about the bikes. Huh? You're going to find it's got a fantastic engine. You can have the most power, and there are bikes by there that are more powerful than your car. I mean, those engines are incredible. But it doesn't matter how powerful your engine is have the two wheels, your bike is going nowhere. Anybody with me? You'll be there just doing vroom, 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 vroom. <laughs> but without tires, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. And so I began to realize what Mavuno had had all these years, we had an engine. God gave us a great engine. It's turbocharged. It is 3,000, 4,000 cc. It can take you anywhere in this world. But without the tires, you're going nowhere. And let me say this, I believe that God has given us a world-changing vision at Mavuno Church. It's a vision that will change the world. It really will. I believe it with all my heart. That we are all world changers in this room. But here's the thing, if you don't understand the two tires, if you don't understand the context of discipleship, you're going nowhere. So we can say we are fearless influencers, but unless we understand this thing, then we, our influence will not influence anywhere. So what did Apostle Moore teach us from this passage? Let's talk about the front tire. Uh, the front tire. Uh, it's 
Paul says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's the front tire of discipleship. Let me explain. You know, Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is his colleague. Timothy is his, uh, a guy he, he picked up, he, clearly not his son, somebody he walks with, he, he, he likes him. Timothy's father is not even a believer, but his mother is. He's been discipled and brought up uh, to know God. And so he picks him up, and he goes with him on his missionary journey, and he helps him do all the work that Paul does. He even uh, helps him preach the gospel. He helps him even when Paul is persecuted. Timothy is there with him. He's learning. And eventually, he sets him up as a leader in one of the churches he begins. So he's writing to this guy now who is a bishop of a church or a leader of a church. And here are the words he uses. He says, you then, my son. Now, he doesn't say, you then, my employee. He doesn't say, you then, my mentoree. He doesn't say, you then, my prodigy. He doesn't say, you then, my, my apprentice. Come on, you're supposed to be preaching with me. You've heard this before. He doesn't say those things. He says, you then, my who? My son. My son. Why does he call him this? I believe there's something very powerful you need to understand in the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God, God is in the business of fatherhood. But the devil is in the business of orphanhood. And the devil will cut us off from this thing that God created. We were created for family. The kingdom of God is about family. And Paul calls this guy my son because for every single one of us, God will put people in our lives, spiritual fathers and mothers, to help us be everything that God wants us to be. This is who it is. Listen, let me tell you this. The family you come from is fantastic. Praise God for them. I bless God for your family. I bless God for your siblings. I bless God for your parents. Wherever you come from, God put you there. Amen? Amen. It's not like other families. We can't compare. We're, the one he gave you was the perfect one for you. But do you know that there are things that are missing from that family for the calling that God has for you? That God has a big calling for your life that unless he moves you into a space, a spiritual space, where you will receive those things, that you will miss out. So what does God do when you become a believer? He puts you in a spiritual family. And he gives you fathers and mothers who will call out something spiritual from you that was not there before. And this is what we see uh, in, 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 in Timothy, that Paul says, you are now my son. And Timothy, this is my father. This is what happens. You see that across scripture. David, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a shepherd. And now he becomes the son of a king. Because God knows that this is the next king of Israel. Amen. Come on, come on. You've had this someone before. Yes, he becomes... Because you cannot be a king unless you have a father who's a king. The only way to do that is unless you're an illegitimate king. But for you to be a legitimate king, you have to have a father who's a king. So David moves from eating shepherd food and looking after shepherds and killing... What do shepherds eat? Soul food. <laughs> Thank you. I can tell you, this man can preach this sermon with me. Let's do this, Pastor Kilonzi. Amen. <laughs> I love it. So he's there. He's, 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 he, he has to move, though, because shepherds don't think like kings. You have to be trained to be a king. Uh, and so he has to be trained. He has to learn how to be a king. And so he moves into Saul's house, and he eats the real soul food. Because that's King Saul. And, 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 and he eats that in the king's uh, palace. And as he eats that food, he begins to think like a king. He sees how kings operate. He sees how kings uh, relate. He even marries a king's daughter. That's what kings do. And by the way, he sees how they fight, 
how they work, how they cancel people. And guess what's happening all this time? God is just giving him a father. And even when the father turns nasty and starts chasing him, David doesn't forget, that's my father. Because if you remember when, David, when Saul was about to catch him, there's a time when, when, when David uh, uh, kind of tricked him. But then he told him, my father, my father, why are you chasing me? He knew who his father was. So guess what happens when King Saul dies? David becomes the next king. The next king. And I've told you the story of Elijah as well and Elisha. It's the same thing in the scripture. Elijah is a farmer. He's never, there's no prophet in their family. Nobody in their family has ever prophesied about anything. But God decides this is the next prophet. So guess what he does? He puts Elijah as his father. And by the time Elijah is going, this man is close to him. He sticks with him. He learns from him. And eventually he's able to say, my father, my father. Elijah's robe falls on him and who becomes the next prophet of Israel? Elisha. So this is what we're saying, guys, that in the kingdom of God, there's this thing called fatherhood. When you don't understand this, you become an orphan. And you become an orphan maker. When you take people through Mizizi, when you take people through Mizizi, and then you tell them, deuces, it's been nice, I love you, see you guys next season. Guess what you've just done? You've just given a bath to a child, just weaned them, and then left them on the street to fend for themselves. And that's why there are many, many spiritual orphans that we have brought up. I've brought up spiritual orphans, by the way. Uh, there are many Mavunites, not anymore, thank you, thank you, not anymore. But I want to say this uh, publicly, I know there are many Mavunites who are orphans. They're out there with church wounds, they're out there not connected to any community of faith because they grew up in this house and yet they were orphans. And the reason, there? There's still some in here. Not anymore, in Jesus' name. Nobody's leaving this place an orphan today, in Jesus' name. When you become a spiritual orphan, guess what happens? You just aspire but you never achieve. You always browse, but you never get full. You always eat everywhere, but you never get satisfied. Orphans hop from church to church. They listen to, from podcast to podcast, table to table. That's what orphans do, isn't it? Because they know that tomorrow, I'm not sure there'll be food in this house. So guess what? If the neighbors are cooking chapatis, I go there and look sad, and hopefully I'll get something. And that's what Christians do in this city. It's like I hope to Steve Fatik is cooking some good chapatis. Oh, praise God. What an amazing guy. And I bless God. Pastor Steve is an amazing guy. But he's not your father. Guess what? You're an orphan in the house. There's no inheritance for you if you're an orphan. So you're there and you're receiving. Oh, I, come on. Somebody told me a story that was so powerful this weekend. And it was a, a member of this church. And she shared with me how this was such a powerful story, truth for her, and I shared it. And she said, I came to Mavuno, but for the longest time I was hopping and there's a church that I was following that's a fantastic church. They have great ministry. I love that church. And she says, the problem is, when my pastor would say, let's fast, she'd say, but we've just come from a fast in that other house. And so she says, I was always exhausted. I was always, trying, I was always just browsing and browsing, never getting anything. And she said, it really hit home because what the church did is they bought a piece of land and they decided they were going to do something powerful for their members. They bought a piece of land because they, they had a circle and it was like, everybody come and let's share the land. And when she went, she was told, you're not a member. There's no inheritance for orphans, isn't it? And she said, Pastor M, you're so right. I mean, I've been missing out in my own house, but I'm also missing out where I am because I'm browsing like an orphan. And this is an orphan spirit. But you know what? I don't even say this to condemn. I say this because I am partly responsible for that. But what I'm saying is when we understand the context of discipleship, we understand, my goodness, that's not the way it was meant to be. That's why God told me I must love my team 
because for me and Pastor Kilonzi, we're going to do ministry for a long time. I'm committed to him. He knows, by the way, I'm not here with him just for now. Like, we're going to be old and toothless and blessing God for this church. We'll be seeing our children preaching across the world together. You know, we'll be, we'll be where will we be? Honolulu. Honolulu, okay. <laughs> Retirement community for Mavuno pastors. And we'll be watching our children shaking the world. We're committed to that. These guys can tell you. They know I'm committed to them. I'm committed to them. We have a shared destiny. And that's what it's taken. It's come to a place where we're saying, look, we're not in this thing for the short haul. We're here for one another. That's what family is, guys. I believe that God is telling us in this season, if we want to change the world, we must be in the business of raising family. Let me say this. This will not happen. And this is such a, it, it's such a realization for me. You cannot, you cannot change the world without family. You can't. I, I asked my team the other day, have you ever seen an East African church that has started a global movement? No. Why? I'll tell you why. And by the way, even American, I remember being shocked. I spoke in one of the largest church planting conferences, and I realized that even in the U.S., there are only probably two known movements, global movements of churches that have come out of America. Why is that? It's because the Western form of Christianity, the theology we've been taught, is an individualistic theology that does not support family. I'm in here for what I get. The minute pastor starts teaching something I'm not feeling, I'm out. I bounce. So guess what happens? These things just stay... It's, it's, it's only manageable in a space. Because for somebody to go to Honolulu and start a church, and for that church to still share the same heart of this church, only family can do that. Employees can't do that. And so we, in East Africa, we send out employees. We don't send out sons and daughters. And as a result, we don't start. But look at the Nigerian church, somebody. Have you noticed that? They f there's a family there. There's a sense. I've got a Nigerian daughter. Uh, her name is Osai. I don't know if she's here today. She's there. That's, there she is. I love Osai. But let me tell you, they know how to lean in. I mean, Osai calls me, hi, daddy. And I'm like, okay. But you know, Yemi is here as well. Emmanuel is here. I know Emmanuel must be here. Is Emmanuel here? Pastor Emmanuel? Where is Pastor Emmanuel? He's our, Cameroon, our Cameroonian son. Yemi is here. Let me tell you, the West Africans, they understand this. And guess what, guys? There are West African movements. You go to West Africa, you'll be shocked. It's not, you go to Nigeria, by the way, it's not at Iwan that you know, Winners Chapel and Sijui Redeem. There are many. And they are across the world. There are movements across the world because these guys get it. Another place that people get it is Korea. People get it. They understand family. They lean hard into family. And guess what happens? Those churches are across the world. There are some serious, by the way, you don't even know, but there are some serious Korean churches in this country. They're, they're doing crazy stuff for the gospel that you don't even know about. But why are they doing it? Because they understand the context of family. The Brazilian church gets it. I've been to the Brazilian church. There are churches there with hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and the reason they get it is because they understand this context. Have you ever seen those mafia movies? You know those Colombian cartel guys? But when that guy sits at the front of the table, he's a family man. And you don't mess with family. So instinctively, those cultures understand family. And guess what happens as a result? They're able to go across the world. No family, no global impact. Some of you, God is calling you to start a global company, by the way. And I'm just trying to say, if you raise employees, you will never change this world. 
Raise a family. Oh my goodness, guess what God is going to do. So, so here's the thing, guys. I really believe that if we want to achieve this vision of changing the world, we have to raise family. There's some great verses there. Let me just share a few scriptures. By the way, today is a day of just teaching. Huh? Um, I, want, I just really have come to understand that I've not taught the word enough to the leaders of this church. And so part of what we're doing today is just getting into a season of teaching. Um, so I want you to make sure you have your notebook because these are the scriptures we're going to be sharing today. Some that I want you to go home, reflect on, ask questions. Because the thing we're going through, you need to be persuaded that it's God's word for us. You need to be persuaded that it's God speaking. That it, this is not just something Pastor M is making up or somebody else is making up. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 to 19, it says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. There's a reason why the, the church of Jesus is not called a fantastic company. The Bible doesn't call the church a company. There's no business name for the church. The church is not a business. But the models we use to run the church that we borrowed from the West are corporate models. We have a CEO, pastor. We have a board of directors. We have shareholders, members who vote to make decisions. Shh, Lord. There's no scripture that backs that up. The Bible talks about the church as a family. That's what the scripture is. And the families, the first father in this family is the one from whom the, the family is named. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. And then listen to this. It says, And also members of his household. What does it mean to be a member of a household? Family. You're a member of God's family. And it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, there are people who say that the, Bible, that the apostles and prophets only existed in the Bible days, that they no longer operate today. But you understand, even in the Bible, even in the family, there are roles. There are leadership roles that are set up by God. And God says, he says that there's a family that you're part of, and the cornerstone of that family is Jesus with a foundation of apostles and prophets. This is a role of leadership in the house of God that you belong to. And it says, and in him too, you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So this family is a family where God's spirit dwells. I love that. God, by the way, without the church, God's spirit doesn't work on earth. God has chosen to restrict himself to the work of the church. He's sort of just decided he could do anything he wants. But he said, I work on earth through the church. That's where my spirit dwells. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live again in fear. But rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Oh, come on, somebody. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Any God's children in the house today? Yes. We know it. This is who we are. We are God's children. And you need the Holy Spirit, by the way, to testify. Yeah? I hear people say uh, in the world, I'm God's child. We're all God's children. Actually, no, 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 no. The scripture very clearly says, to those who believed him, to those who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. You're not a child of God unless you have the Holy Spirit in you. You've asked Jesus into your life. But when you do, you become a child of God. And then Romans Chapter, oh, wait, 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 before, before yeah, keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll keep staying on that one. Uh, you do not receive a spirit that makes you a to that you live in fear. 
but he brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So there's something in you that just testifies. God has given you a witness. There's a power in you. There's God himself lives in you. That's the most powerful thing about this family, that Jesus warned us. God created us. Jesus warned us. The Spirit testifies in us. So it's like God has, in his various forms, he's chosen to appear to us in us. You know, so it's very interesting because God was for us. God made us. And then God was with us. Jesus was with us. But Holy Spirit is in us. Like God is in you. So when you pray, by the way, just understand that God himself is actually living in you. And God has restricted himself to you. I, by the way, let me tell you, this is such a powerful thing. When you've been praying in the morning, we've all been praying. Do you understand that the spiritual temperature has, of Mavuno has just been rising in the last few months? As you've been praying at 4.30. By the way, there's nothing fancy we're doing. We're just praying. But in that prayer, what's happening? It's not that God is hearing us better. It's that our spirits are becoming expanded for the Holy Spirit to work. And there's something powerful that is happening. As we're just aligning ourselves to God, God is beginning to work in ways. Some of you have experienced miracles that you've never experienced before. Simply because our hearts are being expanded for that Holy Spirit to keep testifying in us. And then Romans chapter 12 verse 5 says, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to the others. Come on. You belong to me. And I belong to you. I'm not hearing amen. Some of you are like, I have too many brothers. I don't need any more. The people in this house are your brothers and sisters. This is a very profound thing God wants us to understand. We always say blood is thicker than water. But you need to understand that spirit is thicker than blood. This, this is something that I think many people have not understood. And even I did not understand it well. But listen, Jesus himself, he said, my mother and my brothers are the ones who do God's will. His mother and brother were outside the door saying, this guy is overworking himself. He's not even supposed to be here. Why is he preaching to people? And they came and said, your brother and brother are calling. He said, you guys are the ones who are my brother. Isn't that a rude thing to say? But Jesus understood that this spiritual family takes precedence. This is actually my real family. When we begin to understand that, guys, something will change. In the atmosphere, something changes. Church stops being a place where you come to visit. It stops being a place where you come to browse. It come, stops being a place where you come for inspiration. It becomes your family. It becomes a place where you come for connection with the people that you belong to. The guy next to you will probably have a mansion in, in heaven next to yours. So you better start enjoying them because eternity is a long time to be with someone you can't stand. This is what... <laughs> if you have issues with them, you better just get those issues sorted out right now. Because these are the ones who will be your true brother and sister in heaven. We are a family. That's what Jesus is saying to us. God is calling us a family. And I believe in this season, God is saying that we as Mavuno must become a family. We must become a family. My family, my primary family, borrowing from Jesus, is these guys in the front row, the executive team of Mavuno Church. These are my family. Carol can tell you, these are our family. We pray for, I pray for these guys by name every day. I invest in them. I love them with all my heart. They have fridge rights in my house. At least the ones who take advantage. Some of them don't even know. But they, they, there's some of them who know, by the way. They've come and they've used those fridge rights. Others are still waiting to see whether I'm really serious. They're still coming. But these are the people I, I, I pastor. Yes, I lead them. We have corporate meetings. But 
beyond that, beyond the fact that I'm their boss eight to five, I'm their spiritual father. And I ask them hard questions. I want to know that their marriages are working. I want to know that they're loving Jesus. I want to know that they're resting. I want to know that their children are, are growing up in God's ways. And I want to actually speak into their life in that way. And as God is giving us that, here's the thing that's happening. My ministry in this season is more joyful than it has ever been. It's amazing. Ministry as a family is fun. It's fun. So what's God's desire? Is that each of them has a group of their own. This is how families work, isn't it? You have your father's family, but you also have your own family. And Pastor Angie has her family, and Pastor Nick. Yes, they do. And some of them are here right now. And they love those people. Those people have fridge rights in Pastor Angie's. Kwanzaa Pastor Angie is even crazy. Not even just her house, but they have fridge rights in her parents' house. Like they know her parents' house inside out. Their parents know them. One of them, the mom passed on the other day, and Pastor Angie's mom traveled to Western Kenya for the funeral. Her mom, imagine, for your, somebody who should be your report at work, but your mom travels for their mom's funeral. Isn't that family? That's family. And she has a family of her own. And Pastor Ondachi has a family of his own. And Pastor Sheila is part of Pastor Milton's family. Pastor Milton is on sabbatical and she stepped into him to lead that family. And they have a fantastic family at Mashariki. And these families include the network pastors that they lead. There's a family of, that they're leading. And Pastor James has a family of his own. Pastor Godwin has a family. Amen. And you can hear they have a loud family in the house. Pastor Kilonzi has an amazing family. And, and, and you know what happens? As they're leading their 10 or 12 people and loving them, that's who, by the way, I don't ask Pastor Kilonzi any other question except how are your 10? Because I know if he leads his 10 well, that church is sorted. I, by the way, you guys have been, some of you, how many of you come for family night on, on Wednesdays? Yeah? All right. You need to all be coming. But guess what? I don't look for you. I look for these people. If these guys are in the house, my heart is full. I'm like, my children are fed. But guess what they do? They look for their people. And then guess what those people do? They look for their people. And as a discipleship group leader, who are you looking for? You're looking for your people. By the way, you don't care if Pastor Hu and Sua are not there. Are my people there? Because it's like, I don't want my family not to be fed. And guess what happens when the church becomes that place? When love is what leads us, oh my goodness, nothing can stand against us. Yes. The Bible says, by their love, the world will know that you sent me. Yes. All this evangelism stuff we're talking about, it's fantastic. But you know what's going to bring people to Christ in our generation? When they walk into our church and they sense such love that they're like, this doesn't happen. There's nowhere in the world I've ever seen people loving like this. What is going on? And they say, I want what you have. That's what's going to bring people to Christ God. And so here, here's, here's, here's what we're saying, guys. We have to become family. Yes. Just ask yourself, ask your neighbor right now, are you part of family? Yeah. Some of you have begun to experience family in the church. Some of you are on the verge of that discovery. But this is what God is calling us to in this season. So number two, the first wheel is, this, is, is, is family. The second part is the engine. So if we, if we look at the engine... And the engine is the part that we, we kind of figured we had, but we're just missing a few components of that powerful engine. And it says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people 
who will also be qualified to teach others. So, so that part we get. It's like me passing on to somebody, somebody passing on. But I want you to notice something that Paul says that makes this statement very radical. Because he says, and the things you have had who? Me. me. Say in the presence. Now Paul sounds very arrogant because he doesn't say, and the scriptures that you've read pass on to your discipleship group. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, and the part of scripture that really inspires you, that's the one I want you to teach, to pass on. Does he say that? He doesn't even say the Old Testament or the New Testament. He doesn't say any of that. He says what? The things had me. <laughs> wow, Paul, that's a bit stuck up. Why should you be the one to decide what I teach others? Anybody feeling like that? It's like, why? I mean, why can't I read the word for myself and decide what I feel like teaching? But you know, that's not the pattern of family. It doesn't, discipleship doesn't work that way. Discipleship is about me saying, follow me as I follow Christ. When I don't do that, I create spiritual orphans. And that's the thing I didn't understand. I think as a pastor, I was very, in that way, just saying, go read the Bible. Figure it out for yourself. I know God will speak to you. But by not teaching... Guess what happens? You don't create people, you don't create sons who have the anointing that you have. And so you end up with sons who don't look like you, don't speak like you, don't succeed like you. And that's a tragedy. Paul says, they don't what, baby? They don't even smell like you. <laughs> so John 5, 19, it says, this is what happens. Um, Very truly I say to you, Jesus gave them this answer. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. But those are such repetitive things he's saying. Eh? It's like you could have just said, I only do what God does. <laughs> but he creates all this English. I guess it's Greek. Jesus gave them this very true. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son, it's like he's like, guys, you have to get this. There's nothing original about me. I'm actually doing what I'm seeing. I know I look all hot, but the reason I'm hot is because I have a hot father. That's what he's saying. He's giving credit to his father. And he's saying, I don't actually come up with my own stuff. The things I've seen him doing are the things I've been trusting to reliable others. Are you seeing Paul's, Paul's uh, strategy? Jesus, he did, it's not original. He got it from Jesus. He got it from Jesus. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, you're going to see where it comes from. He says, therefore, you all know this, come on, you've done me, easy. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Listen, listen, listen. The same thing. Jesus doesn't say, teaching them to obey the scriptures. And by the way, the scriptures are the word of God. So why doesn't he say that? He doesn't say teaching them to obey uh, uh, whatever the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. And yet he's told them, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. But he says teaching them to obey what I. Now, I don't, I've never read any part of scripture that says that Jesus took people from Genesis to Malachi. I guess that was the Old Testament, verse by verse. I've never read that. So he's not telling them, he's telling them, that's the scripture. It's good, read it, apply it. But the things I want you to pass on, 
are the things I've taught you, the things I've commanded you. Let me tell you, this is such a revolutionary truth, guys. Um, teaching them to obey. You know, I have never done this. I didn't do this because I didn't know it. But Jesus, first of all, did not teach for inspiration. He did not teach for information. He did not teach for education. He taught for obedience. He taught for obedience. And by the way, that's why I'm repeating this sermon, for those of you who've heard it before, because you may not be applying all of it. I'll stop teaching it when I know that it's 100%. Storm, Munaskia. When I know you're doing everything that was in this sermon. When I know you're doing everything that I taught, then I'll say, okay, let's move to the next one. Because, guys, we have to apply. Jesus' plan is not for you to have a shelf of notebooks with sermons written in them. That's not his plan. His plan is what are you doing to apply what you have learned? Teaching them to obey. This is what Jesus says. And he says, teach what you've heard. In other words, when I lead my discipleship group, I don't teach them what I feel like teaching them. I don't teach them what I heard somebody else say. I teach them what I had my spiritual father teach me. My spiritual leader teach me. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? Because many times I'll hear, especially when we had life groups, a life group saying, us guys, we're just in the season of... We just feel like we want to read the book of John verse by verse for the year. We want to go deep in the scripture. So you guys, I know you're talking about fasting. That's not our season right now. Um, or maybe somebody says, us guys, we're feeling like it's deliverance season. I feel like there's so many deliverance issues in our group. So I know you guys are talking about fasting, but for us, we're just focusing on deliverance. But don't you understand that God has a word for the family? And that word will only be activated in your life when you apply the word for the family. And that many times that deliverance you're trying to study for, you could have gotten it if you just did the fasting that the family was doing. You understand that God already has a solution for you, but the solution is not in your way. It is in the word that he's already given. So, I really believe in this family, God gives words for the family. And that these words are real words. They're not just the words that are made up. They're spirit and life, absolutely. That's what the scripture says. So this last few months, we were teaching about money. And I remember saying in this house that we will have financial freedom, that in, within, the, within the next year, none of us will be in debt. That is a word. That is a word for this family. And that word will be applied. When you apply it as a life, as a discipleship group, you will actually be out of debt. It is God's word for us. It is a prophetic word for us. But you know, if you're out there listening to Bishop so-and-so's prophetic word and Pastor so-and-so's prophetic word and Apostle so-and-so's prophetic word and you're going to receive so much. Guess what happens when you eat from many, many tables? Have you ever gone to those hotels where they just give you a whole buffet? You get food poisoning. The food becomes your enemy. And I know many Christians who are spiritually indigested. They need spiritual aspirin. What, what do people take when, when they're... Eno. They need spiritual Eno. To flush their spirits. Because they're so full of knowledge and no application. They're not learning. They're not obeying. Because they're receiving their... Today they're listening to this podcast. Tomorrow they're listening. So, so here's what I've come to understand. And here's the thing I want to actually encourage you as the leaders of this church. I want to actually challenge you to do this. Take the word that is preached. Pastor Andy just took us through an... Uh, is taking us through a powerful, powerful series right now. A powerful series. And it's the same series that's being preached in the Mavuno churches. So if your pastor is preaching it, it's the same sermon. Take that sermon. And rather than going to listen tomorrow to another sermon, on your way to work, listen to the same sermon. And the third day, now listen and take notes to that, that same sermon. And apply it. And on Friday, listen again to see how your life has changed. The, am I on the after now? Because I was on the before when I had it. 
And by the time you come to church, if you've listened to that word three times, I want to just guarantee you, you will see a blessing in your life that has been lacking all these years. It's crazy. It is the word that the Lord has given this house in this season. So rather than looking everywhere and reading everything, pick that word and go deep into that word. Run with that word. And Paul, that's what Paul is saying. The things you've heard me say, those are the things that you pass on. When you have your discipleship group meeting, discuss that word. Let that be the word. When your family, you're in the family time and your father, that obnoxious thing where you're told, okay, can you, I know you go to Mavuno, can you give us a small word? Give that word. But do you guys remember the story I began this with? That church. Those children, you know, the, the good thing with kids, they don't reason too much. They, the pastor teaches them, they take notes. The same passage, they go and teach. Guess what happens? The demons flee. Because there's an alignment with the word of the house. Now you, you have a theological degree and you speak Greek. I understand. But listen, listen, listen. The word you have is not the word of the house. There is a word. And I, I, you, those of you who know me closely know that I don't speak like this. Unless the Holy Spirit himself is convicting me. I'm not that person. But I, I, he blessed God that I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not. But in this season, I really believe that God is saying, I must be a father. And that means I tell people, I remember talking to a friend of mine recently who had told me, oh, I left Mavuno, and I said, I'm your father, I've not released you. Yeah. And I said to them, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because I'm being a harsh father. In my spirit, it's not your season to leave. Wow. And I said, you need to come back to church next week. And the person was like, Pastor M, what happened to you? <laughs> I said, I've just come to understand that yeah. if I don't speak to you like this, you're going to be a spiritual orphan. I've seen it with so many people. Yeah. Your life will actually be destroyed. So let me just be a good father because I've not been a good father in the past. So listen, I'm just trying to say, guys, let's lean in. If you go to downtown, the word that Pastor Kilonzi preaches on Sunday, that's God's word for you that week. Receive that week word. Teach it to reliable others and let them teach it to others. Amen. Let me tell you guys, when we do this, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, something is going to shift. A deliverance will come. We overcomplicate the Christian life. That's what these children in, in that place in Uganda taught me. We overcomplicate the... It's not that complex. It's simply about obeying the things we're taught. Back tire. Let me do the, the last, the back tire. Um, so we've got the front tire. We've got the engine. Now this is a back tire. It says, join me with, in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Right now we have an engine. We have, we have a front tire and we have an engine. So we can move a bit. But we're going to have some serious problems unless we put this back tire. And the back tire <laughs> is this thing called uh, a soldier's mentality. A soldier's mentality. Being strong in God's grace, which is what Paul is being taught about, requires a soldier's mentality, not a civilian mentality. It requires followership. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Now, it's very interesting. Uh, if you could, if you could uh, check those scriptures. There's a scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So the crazy thing about the church, it's a family that is also an army. But that's not so crazy because you see this in the scripture. When you see our father Abraham, when he goes to fight and deliver Lot, it's his, it's his household. His household are his soldiers. <laughs> so this is actually not something, it's a, it's a scriptural reality. We are a family that also is an army. And that's why the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 
When this family understands its identity, even hell itself cannot stop it. Uh, Matthew chapter, uh, uh, sorry, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are soldier words. He's saying, for, for you to be a family, you need to understand you're a family that's also an army. Be strong and courageous. And then um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. My goodness, can you see that? Have you ever read that before? You must give up your what? Oh my goodness, how many people like having their own way? Uh-huh. Here's what Jesus is saying to you, you people who like having your own way. <laughs> He's saying, you cannot be a disciple with your own way. You'll be coming to church saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He'll say, I never knew you. Because you cannot be my disciple unless you give up your own way. Take up the cross and follow. Take up the command. Take up the, the yoke. Take up the way of thinking. Be commanded by another. You are now part of an army. In an army, you don't do what you want to do. And Apostle Mo gave us a really powerful uh, context where he talked about the, the, the cruise ship and the battleship. How many of you remember that? So, so just put that picture of the cruise ship and the battleship because I really like, I like this illustration. And I'm going to, yeah, cruise ship or battleship. That's the difference. Many churches are cruise ship churches. But God is calling churches to become battleship churches. So what, 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 okay, some of you heard me preach. What, 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 what is a cruise ship? What, what are things, what are some of the characteristics of a cruise ship? You wake up when you want. You eat what you want. It's about you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. People are there to serve you. There's a whole crew whose job it is just to serve you. You walk around and you're served. You're entertained. So you're always looking for entertainment. And if it's boring, you move to the next room. Because it's there for you to entertain you. That's a cruise ship, isn't it? It's luxurious. Oh my gosh, nice chairs. So comfortable, air conditioning. This is a nice cruise ship. I, did, I didn't pay for that. Why are they doing this? I'm paying. Do they understand? I can go to another cruise ship anytime. Shindwe, huh? Call the manager. Where is that pastor? Huh? I can see some of you. Can, some of you are getting this. Yeah? This, you can leave whenever you want. In fact, you get tired and you're like, I'm done. I'm out. You, there's a swimming pool in the ocean. It's about, it's about, it's about entertainment. Let me tell you guys, these things are amazing. Uh, they are incredible. I've been on one of these with my wife. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's good for you to know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the reason we went is because when I married her, we were so broke. Uh, she didn't have, I didn't have money, uh, but I had potential. Amen? So she... she and so, so I want to just tell young ladies in the house, don't marry money. Money is a problem. When you marry a man with money, for his money, what he does, he treats you as a, 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 one of his objects. One of his acquisitions. I was a broke guy, but I, I loved Jesus and I had a future. And so she trusted me. Um, I always laughed because her bedroom of the house I removed her from in Karen, we picked her with the women singing on, on Saturday morning. That house, the bedroom itself that I pulled her from was bigger than the house I was taking her to. 
my little house in the great corner behind the butchery, um, where even the wedding gifts could not fit. Um, but the woman trusted me, so I told her, when, babe, in fact, I remember, I told her, babe, mm, come on. She's an amazing woman, this one. <laughs> she had faith. So I told her, babe, I will, you, will, you will see the world. I will show you the world. Huh? What do you tell a chick who trusts you like that? You're like, I will show you the world. One day, one day, this faith of you have in me will be. So I took her, on our 20th anniversary, I, I surprised her, I took her on a cruise. Huh? And let me tell you all those things these people have said. The cruise ship is beautiful. Huh? 20 years later. But it happened. It happened. Yeah. It happened. 20 years, but it happened. And now I can even take on one every year of our lives if I want. Yeah, it happened. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Don't look down at that young man. By the way, this is not my sermon, but let me just say, Bishop, Bishop Doug Hayward, who is one of the guys who's been really instructing us, he says something very powerful. He says, single ladies, you need seven qualities to find a husband. Seven qualities. And he says, the first one is humility. The second one is humility. The third one is humility. The, <laughs> you get the picture. Because the guy you're looking at and you're hoping that he can match you up, I was telling people, you know, my daughters, I've got two daughters and a son, they're all teenagers. My son, already, he's thinking about the SQ he's moving to. Because what happens in a house, when it's a small house, it becomes a bit small for two men to be in. You start, you start bumping into each other. So already at, at, at 17, he's already thinking, when I go to college, I need an SQ somewhere. And what happens, you go, you find a KSQ somewhere in Umoja, yeah. and you start hustling. Yeah. And you go underground. You go underground, because now you can't beg. You've left. And your pride don't even let you. So you hustle, you hustle. Meanwhile, the daughters are sitting, are sleeping on sheets that I bought, yeah. eating food that I bought. And of course, when they say they're moving, the mother says, I, you'd be unsafe. Well, who look after you? Some man might even, uh-huh. So guess what happens to these daughters? They leave the house and they're looking for a man like them. They, no, the, their first job, they're just saving money because they're eating their father's food. So she buys a, ka, ka little, ka, what does she buy? Her kavits. And she's looking for a guy who has a vitz. The guy is in Umoja in an SQ. Where, which vitz does he have? He's hustling. He's hustling. The guy is trying to impress you, but you're looking at him, you're even smelling his sweat because the, the guy had to take a matatu to come to where you are. It, it's not like you. You are dropped by your father. So now you, you're saying there are no men. I hear that. There are no men, pastor. Where are the men? They are in Umoja. <laughs> so, 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 so what happens now? You turn 30, 35. Then all of a sudden you see your classmates married to a younger woman, and doing well. And you're angry. Where were they? How come they didn't see me? The reason they didn't see you is because they were in Umoja. And by the time they came up, you were not even there anymore. You had moved on. You are driving a Bima by that time. Working for Sijui, which bank? The guy could not even approach you. Are you understanding? So that's why lesson number one is humility. Okay. Amen. <laughs> I can hear... I think there's a brother in the house who's like, Pastor, thank you. I've even been wondering how to talk to her. <laughs> so anyway, that was not my sermon. That was just, uh, I think it was the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. <laughs> I thought it was the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm trusting God that there will be many weddings in this church between people in this church. Yeah. yeah. The men are here, by the way. Don't ask that. Don't say there are no men. They're here. They're here. Come on, Nash. Where is Nash? <laughs> There are, there are good single men in this house. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. Cruise ship. So, so that was a cruise ship. It's a fantastic experience. But guess what? No cruise ship has ever won a war. When a war comes, by the way, if a war starts and you're in a cruise ship, you're dead. You cannot even defend yourself. And that's the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship. Now, in a battleship, what are the qualities of a battleship? Everybody fights. There's nobody there who's looking after you. At who's, who are these people? Even the chef fights. He's a warrior. He's gone through basic training. He can pick up a gun and fight whoever is there. So there's nobody there who is not crew. The whole army is, a crew, is crew. Everybody in that ship is crew. Anything else about a battleship? Everybody's alert. There's nobody who's sleeping, having luxury, waking up when they want. Everybody is on alert. Uh-huh. You eat what is served. Yes. You don't wake up saying, uh-huh, let me see what's there. <laughs> you eat the prescribed diet for soldiers. And that diet is not allowed, it's not to make fat soldiers. It's to, make, to keep you fighting trim. Faithful, available, and teachable. So you don't go around shopping for good food. You eat the food that is served in that place because it's what is there for you. It's prescribed for you. Something else? There's a chain of command. When you listen to your sergeant, you're listening to the president of the country. By the way, that's how it is in an army, isn't it? When you're in that ship and the sergeant comes to you and he commands you, you're obeying. If it's a Kenyan ship, you're obeying the commander-in-chief. That person represents a chain of command. That's the difference. So you don't, you don't treat anybody just, oh, you're just, you're just my discipleship group leader. You're just my campus pastor. No, 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 no. There's a chain of command in a cruise ship, uh, in, a, in a battleship. Somebody, something else? It's not about entertainment, it's about duty. You're not there to be entertained, you're there to serve. You're there to make a difference. That's the difference, yeah? So it's a very different kind of ship. It's a very different kind of ship. Actually, no, it doesn't have less people. Sometimes it can have as many people. These things can be huge. Have you ever seen those aircraft carriers? I mean, they're massive things. They have thousands of people in them, but everybody in them is a soldier. And I believe that what God is telling us in this season, it's time to move from being a cruise ship to a battleship. Yeah, too many churches are cruise ships with congregations that are there to eat what they want when they want, do what they want, whatever time they want. There's no chain of command. It's like I listen when I feel like the salmon is good for me. I go where it feels like I can eat a better salmon. Uh, they don't want to serve. They're here to be entertained. They come to Mavuno Kids and they're like, ah, who's in charge here? Why are the kids running around like this? Connie, who's, what's the management of this? The reason they're running around is because you're not there serving. That's the reason. So when you see a problem, you, ste you step up. In a battleship, when you see a, a problem, you pick up the gun and you fight. You don't, there's ownership. Everybody in there is a soldier. And that, I believe, is what God is calling us to in this season. If we want to win wars, we have to become a battleship. Ask your neighbor, are you ready to be in a battleship? Yeah. I will tell you one thing about the battleship, however, is that it is fun winning wars. It's fun being on a winning team, by the way. Amen. <laughs> Is that Mashariki people? Yes. It's fun being in a winning team. 
I've been on winning teams in my life. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter. If you play, those of you who play sports, you probably know that even if the sport is how hard, and I used to play rugby, even if you're how bruised at the end, by the way, you don't feel any pain if you won. I, I, I never could put that into play. Like, I would come out bleeding, bruised, but we won. It's like the pain went. It's like, you're like, ouch, but it's okay, it'll go. Let me tell you, if you lost, even that little thing, it's just, it feels like your arm is broken. You feel like crying, you know. Being on a losing ship is horrible. And let me tell you something. When we start winning as a church, when every week people start coming to Christ, when you start seeing deliverance and healing, when people start seeing you and saying, my judge is here, when people start being delivered in your family of demons that have oppressed them for thousands of years, when people start to see those things happening, let me tell you, you will be so happy that you're part of an army. This is what God has... None of us was created to be part... By the way, you can't live in a cruise ship your whole life. Yeah. You can't. It's actually tiring. Have you ever gone to a hotel even for a week? Yeah. Anybody know... Anybody been to a hotel for a week? Yeah. You know how by the third day your stomach is even saying, seriously, just give me some kunde bana. I just, I just need some skuma wiki. I just need something simple. The first day you could eat everything, isn't it? But after a while, you're like, no, 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 I can't eat this. It's too much, even the smell. You can't live in a cruise ship your whole life. It will make you sick. For those Christians who are hopping from place to place, cruise ship Christianity will make you sick. Your spiritual life will become sick. And the only way you'll be the winner God created you to be is if you become part of the army. So this is the question I want to end, to end with. Are you part of the army? Now, the context of discipleship is family and followership. Just put those, that, that slide, the, the last one that has the context of discipleship. The context of discipleship is family and followership. The person at the back here. So that's our, that's our bike there. So we've got family, discipleship, army. That's the, the front, the engine, the back. But family is about love. Amen. So when we hear this thing about army, Let's never forget, we don't start with the army. We don't start with the family. With, with, the, with the army, we start with the family. The reason my, my, my team will do anything for me, the reason when I say charge, they will charge, is because they know I love them. They know I have their back, and they trust me. And so for you, as you're raising your, um, your family, your discipleship group, are you raising a family that loves each other? Are you raising a people who know that, hey, my goodness, we're in this with people who love us? That's who God is calling us to be. The world is not about love. The world is about competition. It's about tearing down. <laughs> Our discipleship groups must, be, must become the place of love. We must be able to be, when, when something goes on, when there's a crisis, we're the people who leave no man behind. We're there. And I've seen that, by the way, in Mavuno. I've seen people where I've gone to a funeral, and I've just found that the group was there, the life group was there, the people were there. They died with this person. They cried with this person. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be a family. And as we're being a family, then we have a teaching space. We're a discipleship space. When people come to your discipleship group, you're not a facilitator anymore. That's not the role God is calling you to. We used to have, we used to have facilitators. We're not facilitators, we're disciples. Yeah. When you come into my group, I'm here to help you grow. I want to see you becoming everything that Jesus has for, have everything that Jesus has for you. Which means when I see you acting in a way that is likely to suggest that you're not going to the way of heaven, that I can speak with you like a father. And say that what you're doing is not good. Yes. So we need to be able to have that kind of relationship, understanding that we are all called to be spiritual parents in this season. But then as we do that, then what are we doing? We're preparing an army. And that army is what's going to change the world. 
This, guys, is what's happening in Mavuno. If somebody's been saying, I wonder what's going on in Mavuno, uh, why, is it, why are people talking funny language? Why does it seem that people are excited about something? Guys, this is it. This is what is going to define our future. Now, I want to conclude this first talk. You heard me say faster. Huh? Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. Amen. I want to conclude by saying, guys, there's going to be a culture shift in Mavuno, Amen. but that shift must start with us who are in this room. I don't believe that a shift can happen unless the leaders get the shift. And that's why we here are the leaders in the house. We must now begin to demonstrate these things in our church so that by the time we preach about them, people are feeling them. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things I remember talking to, I remember having a chat with Pastor Ndachi at the beginning of the year, and I said to him, Pastor Ndachi, we have to become a family. Yeah. Somehow, before you teach your staff team anything, they have to know there's a family. So what he started doing, he started meeting his staff team in his house. He moved from the office, and every week they would meet in his house, and they would love each other. Yeah. And they, they would do a Bible study, they would talk, shop, but a lot of the time, they were just growing spiritually. He was helping them grow. And what happened is they began to love each other. Yeah. And what, he had some great stories to tell us. Um, he had buddies of his who were pastors from other churches who would come to visit. They didn't know it was a, st a staff meeting. They'd just come to the house to pass by. I guess it's COVID, just COVID. People are working from home. And they'd not see cars, and they'd be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know you had visitors. He'd be like, no, no, it's not visitors. It's my staff team. And the guy's like, oh, you meet here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and say hi. And the person would come in, and just by how he'd be greeted... Please, I'm a sanguine, so correct my story if it gets too flowery. <laughs> Just by how the guy would be greeted, he'd be like, wow, this guy is actually there. Look like a fun group. And be like, it's okay, I'm not in a hurry. I can sit for a few minutes. <laughs> At the end of the day, the guy would still be there. And then as he's being escorted, he'd say, so next week, you're here. <laughs> so pastors from other churches started coming for his staff meeting because they were getting something they were missing from wherever they were. Yeah. They're understanding the power of family. Yeah. Some of them are here. Yeah. Bless God. And my prayer is that they are going to build families wherever they are because that's God's will for us, isn't it? Yeah. That we are called... By the way, I didn't know this. We didn't know this, did we? We didn't know this. So it was a discovery for us. And it didn't take long to work. Your people just started loving each other and they just became attractive. That's what the Bible says. They will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. That's it. So now imagine when this begins to happen across the whole of Mavuno Lovington. And a stranger walks in and they're like, I don't get this. There's something powerful. So one of the things I want to challenge you guys is we must become a family. How do we begin to do these things? Number one, how do families operate? They cultivate honor. They cultivate honor. There's something about honor that just builds love and family. I don't even understand it myself. But there's just something about that. When, when you see that that person is your spiritual authority and you accept them as your... We've been talking about this in Family Night. When you begin to accept people as your spiritual authority, when you begin to actually desire to hear the, them preach, desire to hear their word, when you desire to spend time with them, when you cheer them on... Come on. By the way, I'd love, to go to I'd love to go to life when Pastor Godwin is teaching. <laughs> I, this, <laughs> these guys... They love their pastor to death. Like they love their pastor. But you know what, what happens when they love their pastor? Everybody's intrigued, isn't it? You're like, wow, what kind of church is that? These guys are amazing. So, so guess what happens when you start to honor? Something changes in the church. Even your own heart, by the way, you start enjoying church more. That's what happens. 
And so one of the things I want to just challenge us is, can we be the ones who honor, lead our church in honor? When Pastor James is standing here to preach, come on, Hill City. Come on, Hill City. I can't, I, you know, I know you Hill City guys, you're posh, posh people and you're, huh, you're sophisticated. Lakini hakuna poshness in the kingdom of God. No, there isn't. This is a pastor that God is using to change lives. Amen. Yeah. So somebody should just be like, let him know, let, let people know you have a good pastor. Let's, let's, let's show honor in our churches, people. I believe as we do that, and, and, and listen to Family Night. If you've not, there's actually, we've done a couple of segments on how to honor. Because I believe that as we begin to do that, God is going to start shifting some things in this family. Number two, become spiritual parents. Become a spiritual parent. By the way, for those of you who listen to this talk already, I'm hoping that these things, as I'm giving applications, you're already doing them. Because this is why we're saying we teach for obedience. If you've had it and you're not doing it yet, then you're in disobedience at this point. Because you hear it for obedience. So become a spiritual parent. Uh, you should be leading a discipleship group yourself. Seriously, for me, I was like, I looked at that 15-year-old boy, I was like, the guy is leading a discipleship group of his own. It's a church. And he's like, he's, he's obeying. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. It's like his basic command to the church. If I'm not making disciples, I am in disobedience. So, if you're not already discipling, talk to your campus pastor. Say, I'd like to lead a discipleship group. Let them help you because that's their role. They'll give you some people to start helping you lead. And you can start already to disciple. And by the way, discipleship is so easy because it's broken down. You don't have to teach what you want to teach. You teach what you're hearing your pastor teach. It's so simple. The model is there. It's in scripture. It's easy. Anyone can. A 15-year-old boy can do it. You can do it. Number three, follow hard. Follow hard. In this season, I believe God wants us to become spiritual sons and daughters. He wants us to be parents, but he also wants us to be sons and daughters. And I believe that he wants us to be the people who believe in the vision of this house. He wants us to listen to God's word when your pastor is preaching. He wants us to lean forward. As the leaders of the church, don't come in like everybody else at 10.30 service. <laughs> you know, I used to wonder, I knew that we had a 10 o'clock service and a 12 o'clock service. But there are some people, by the way, you could have sworn there was a 10.30 service. And there were even some other families, that were, they used to come for the 11 o'clock every week. And you're like, which service is this that these guys have come for? Because the service started at 10. But that's, that's what I expect from people walking in from the street, isn't it? Because Mavuno is come as you are. Any Mike McKenna out there who just doesn't know God, they should come whenever they can. I don't blame them. But not you. You're a soldier. You're part of the family. You should have been here early to see if Pastor James needed something help with setup. Or pray around, walk with your, bring your kids and pray. By the way, when we went to Mpiji, you see Pastor Kilonzi, they brought their kids. Yeah. Your kid is a prayer warrior, by the way. That child should be coming over here and you walk around with them. You teach them how to dedicate a sanctuary and to chase out demons before the pastor prays. Amen. Come on. Imagine. I was watching one boy's little daughter over here with her hands raised, as kneeling. And I say, that's the future of this church. That's, that's, how, that's how the devil is confounded in your home, by the way. Raise up those kids to be prayer warriors, not babies. So, 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 yeah, so become spiritual daughters. Become spiritual sons. By the way, there's a, again, listen to Family Night. We've talked about this at length, so I won't go into it. But I believe that we must start posturing ourselves to become spiritual sons and daughters. There's just something that God has for us as we begin to do that. Uh, following hard. Following hard means also obedience. It means when the pastor says there's a 4.30 prayer meeting for the leaders of the church, that you show up at 4.30. That's what it is. Because the blessing is in the obedience. Um, I know, we could have prayed 6 o'clock. <laughs> we could have said 6 o'clock, and that would have been a more convenient time for you. 
Uh, we could have said midnight. Some of you are night people, amen? Uh, midnight would have been perfect. That's when the Spirit really flows for you when you pray. You feel it when you're praying at midnight. Listen, this, the word in the house is 4.30. And that's where your blessing is. So don't make it an excuse. Don't, don't give any excuses. When it's 4.30, show up. Uh, my wife is not a morning, was not a morning person. In Jesus' name, now she has become a... She has. I mean, I've been married to her for 27 years. She never, never, never was a morning person. Now, by the way, we don't only just pray till 4. We, by the way, she even, the Holy Spirit even wakes her up. Sometimes at 4, sometimes even at 3.30, sometimes even at 2 to pray. And after that, we go to the gym. Like, like, what is this? Like, there's transformation. I mean, she's, she's, a, she's spiritually fit, she's physically fit. Because she stopped being, I'm not a morning person. You know, so, so follow. Follow the word in the house. When your pastor says, let's, let's learn to do evangelism, let's go out and share the gospel. I know you're an introvert. I know you don't like people. I know you feel strange and you're shy and you're not like so and so. I know. But the word of the house is let's go. And guess what happens when you go? God begins to bless you. There's some things that have been locked, even in your workplace, in your home, that will unlock as you begin to obey. I really believe this is a thing. When you come to church, don't sit at the back. Leave that for the people who like to sit at the back. I mean, if you all sit at the back, how you're competing with the visitors. Because Mavuno attracts people who don't go to church. People who don't go to church don't like sitting in front. So don't compete with them. Come and sit in the front. Take out your notebook. Say amen when your pastor is preaching. Yeah. Do it. Because as you do that, guess what happens? When they come in, they'll see, oh, that's what people do in church. They say amen. And when they get saved, guess what they'll do? They'll also sit at the front. And say amen. Because they're, they're following you. So don't be the person they're following to be at the back. You know, this is just shrinking your way, as my wife says, to mediocrity. Um, tithe. Number four is tithe. Uh, the Bible says where your treasure is is where your heart is. Uh, I believe in this season God wants us to just cultivate, and we talked about that, so I'm not even going to preach a sermon on tithe, but tithe. We're the leaders of this house. The ministry of this church has always been sustained by its people tithing. Uh, and for us, we've never been ashamed about that. The tithe, it's not even a smiling thing. It's not even a thing of I'm feeling good because I'm tithing. No, tithe has nothing to do with feelings. In the Bible, the tithe is like a tax. When you pay care, you don't smile, you just pay. You know, I know the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. That's something different from tithe. That is forgiving. That's different. Don't be cheerful. Just tithe. Uh, make it your commitment. You know? Uh, for me, my wife and I, for us, our tithe is a standing order. We tithe before. I never want to play with God's money because that's how I invite the devourer into my house. And if you're a leader who is not tithing, it means the people after you, you're raising up people who are oppressed by the devourer as well. Because who you are is who the people who follow will become. So, so, so make sure that that never becomes you, that you're always a tither. Um, so, and then catch up. If you've not been watching Family Night, by the way, we're going to take a break in December, and the break is for you to catch up. No, it's, it's, I know, I know, but we need to give guys time to catch up. So if you haven't been watching Family Night, start from week one. In December, as guys are stuffing their, their face with mbuzi and all that, put, that car, put, instead of listening to podcasts from bishops, listen to Family Night. And just go through the things we've been learning. Because I believe your heart will be postured in a certain way that you'll be able to start the year uh, ready for what God has for us. So I want to pray for us. Let me ask you to stand on your feet right now. Just stand on your feet.